You're listening to Spice Radio's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Ramnik Johal, writer with 5X Press, and we're talking about her piece on how sun preference in the South Asian community contributes to the cycle of abuse and violence. Ramnik, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. What made you want to explore this particular topic? Yeah, well, it was actually sparked by a tweet. I, I remember, I, and the, the sad part is I don't even remember which case of violence it was, which tells you how prevalent it, it is in our community. But there was a case where, yet again, a, a woman in our community, was uh, her life was taken at the hands of her partner. And, and I think I, had, I was just kind of sharing my, my outrage at this. And somebody had tweeted at me, um, somebody who's on the board of Laud Lian, which is an organization in Ontario, and they said that I should perhaps explore this link between sun preference and, and, and violence, because that's part of how this cycle continues, and, and as I looked into it, I realized, you know, this is why it, it's so prominent in our in our culture, and it starts just from, from when a baby is born and, and the way we, we treat them, and we like to say that we've made it so far, and things are slowly changing, but on a deeper level, I feel like so much has stayed the same. You know, when I was reading your piece, I immediately, it took me back to this event 10 years ago where I had this family friend who had two daughters and they tried for a third child and they were hoping that it would be a boy. But turns out it ended up being another girl that they had. And at that event, I saw so many people go and apologize and said, oh my God, I'm so sorry you didn't have a son. I'm so sorry you didn't have one. And that stuck with me forever, even to this day. And like you said, Ramnik, you know, you think things have gotten better, but there's still so much to do. So when you are exploring this topic, you know, from how young do some girls in the South Asian community know that they're not of value? I, I honestly think it starts from from childhood, you know, early early childhood, because I think the way that sons and daughters are treated, like I think I grew up in a fairly equal household, but I think it, generationally, even you look at the way a grandmother treats her grandson, there is such a, you know, close-knit relationship there. And that closeness is never developed to the same level in terms of, like, you know, sons are, are, are the prince. They're, you know, going to carry forward the name. It's like whatever they want to eat. And everybody kind of caters to their every need and desire. And that's not to say that they don't also cater to their daughters. But at the same time, you learn very young that there's different kind of rules and expectations for you and different rules and expectations for your brother. And so you have to be quiet and listen and, and be a good girl. And, and he can make mistakes and be loud and messy and whatever because that's that's what boys, that's just what boys do. And, and mothers, you know, coddle their sons from a young age, whereas daughters are kind of expected to, to help the mothers with their duties from a young age. And that kind of, just in the development phase, really impacts them as well. And when that starts from so young, one thing you also point out in your piece is there's this male privilege that begins. And, like, what are the consequences of that privilege? Yeah, so I think it's just when you think that, you know, a son is inherently more worthy and you think that they can do no wrong, it kind of leads to a situation where you're doing anything to to protect them. And so that male privilege really plays out in the ways that often daughters are looked at in terms of, okay, what can she do wrong? Whereas sons are looked at in you're able to make mistakes. You have that capacity to, to make mistakes because you're just learning. Whereas if a daughter makes a mistake, it really is, you know, this is falling on, on your entire family. And even if it's not your own fault, oftentimes, you know, it would yield punishment instead of, 
protection. So I think that that, that privilege is really evident from a young age, and, and the consequences are that we see, you know, entire families sometimes going to great lengths to protect their sons, even when they're accused of doing something extremely horrible, like abuse or, or murder. And then I mentioned the case of uh, Karen Bissy, who um, was murdered, allegedly murdered at the hands of her partner in Surrey, and uh, the entire family members were, were also, you know, uh, arrested in, and taken to court for that case as well. It sometimes feels like, you know, the and then they even say it, ki jo maan maryada hai, pure parivar ki, it kind of just is supposed to be on the shoulders of the daughters in the house, somehow. But uh, I, I believe ki jo dichotomy hoti hai na, ke we just had Diwali, right? And we uh, worship um, Lakshmi and in we say ghar mein Lakshmi aai hai, jahan par ek taraf hum Lakshmi ki puja karte hai, dousri taraf we because of our patriarchal society, there is this whole, uh, you know, uh, bias that we have against the daughters in the house. So while we really depend on our daughters, we, you know, the inheritance goes primarily to the son. Even with the laws changing back home in India, things still are, you know, pretty much on the gray lines when you come when it comes to how equal both are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's that's. So true, because even now, you know, we see traditions like Lodi, where people are like, oh, we're going to celebrate when we have daughters as well. We're going to, you know, give out mitai when we have daughters as well. And that's great. But if that's the only symbolic way that you're showing that you are excited about having a daughter, it's just not enough. And it requires us to have really difficult, uncomfortable conversations about the expectations that we place on sons versus daughters. And and the way that daughters really have to earn and maintain the respect of their families and really, you know, fit into what their family needs of them. They need to, you know, whether that is helping around the house, even at a young age, when their brothers are allowed to play, whether that is doing whatever their parents need for them to do, you know, whether that is getting married and, and, you know, marrying the right person that your parents want you to marry or marrying, you know, in general or not getting divorced. There's so many contingencies on the ways that we earn the love of our families as daughters. But for sons, they just get it without having to do anything. And interestingly, I mean, in a largely patriarchal society in India, we also have some matrilineal societies. So if you look at the mm-hmm. Nairs in Kerala or in the Northeast, they have a matrilineal society, where, uh, you know, the family uh, the daughter gets the inheritance. She ha- plays quite an important role. She carries the name forward, as we call it, no naam ko aage badana. So that happens very largely in the northeast. In the, in Kerala as well, you have Nairs and the Ezavas who actually follow the matrilineal society. So, uh, do you think that would kind of bring about a change if just that patriarchy and matriarchy, the dynamics, would change for us? Yeah, I think it just it goes from a you know it starts. With, it can't just be individual actions, right? It has to be society level, like you just explained. If if there is a everybody in society is is buying into something, then that is going to be the prevailing standard, which in in our case is is patriarchy. And so I, I don't think it's that simple to to create a switch. But I think at the very least, if we have you know, it, it requires men. And, and one of um, the the women I interviewed, Manveer Bangu uh, of Ladbinga, she mentions as well that. You know, it requires us to get men involved in this conversation and not just for us as women to continually have to point out 
that we're, you know, we're struggling, that our sisters are dying, that, you know, we're fighting for equality in our own households. We need men who are in their privileged position to, to make themselves and their brothers uncomfortable and to question that and to really have conversations with your families about what these gender dynamics should look like so that we aren't just creating a world where men feel like they're entitled to everything, including sometimes the lives of women and the fact that we as a society have, have created this. We have created this problem and we can't say, you know, these sons aren't isolated. They're raised in, in our family and our community that is so close-knit. So what are we doing as a society that is allowing this to continue? And we really, really have to ask ourselves these really tough questions. Mm-hmm. No, and it's a really good question. And one of the highlights in your piece, too, you talked to Dr. Gurum, and she's incredible. And she said that it boils down to how we raise our sons versus our daughters, which then permeates in society. Can you expand on that? Yes. Yeah, Dr. Gurum was talking about, you know, we we really don't talk about it enough on a society perspective, on a society level. We really think that these are individual actions, and, and it really it starts with questioning traditions and the messages we, we tell ourselves and young people from the moment they're born. It's, it's like when, when we really think about it, even if it's not in obvious ways, what we're communicating to our daughters is that they are of less worth, and we're thinking, teaching them that, again, their honor is, is their worth, whereas we do not teach that same thing to our sons. Their honor is not their worth. So if they do something that is dishonorable, it doesn't reflect on who they are as a person, or so, so we've taught them. And so ending that cycle really means questioning the way that we, you know, create these messaging and making sure that we're thinking about honor differently. And, 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 and what uh, Dr. Gurm said was, you know, think about honor differently, think about honesty, integrity, and, and listening to both our daughters and our sons equally, and really addressing their needs equally. Ramnik, I want to thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate this conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Uh, I think, you know, this like this conversation's not new, right? So I think it's, it's something that comes up quite often. And I just, I, I implore people who are listening or who read the article to really ha- bring this up, talk about it, and, and, you know, whether it's at the dinner table or with your friends or having coffee or whatever, talk about it. Talk about the ways that this showed up in your life and talk about the ways that, you know, you want to do things differently because, again, individuals can make actions. I can say that, you know, I'll talk to my parents about this and, and I'll try to do better with my kids. But we don't live in an isolated world. We live in a community that's very collective. So I, I really urge people to, to have these conversations and think about how you can challenge some of these notions so that we can start to chip away at this at this really big topic. Thanks again. You take care, Ramnik. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.